Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. When you're dating, it can be so easy to get caught up in the stress and anxiety of every situation. Why aren't they communicating? Why didn't they text me back? Am I getting ghosted? Why is this happening again? Why can't someone commit? I've asked myself all of these questions too, more times than I can count. You wouldn't believe what happens when you approach these situations with a different mindset and focus on solutions instead of problems. I started therapy because I was so stuck on the problems in my dating life. My therapist helped me learn why I was ending up in the same situations over and over and helped me come up with a different way and a different mindset to approach dating. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists anytime. Whether you want to be a better problem solver or a better dater, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash other people today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash other people. Hey guys, it's Alana and you're listening to Seeing Other People Unfiltered. Each Thursday on Unfiltered, I'll be bringing on a different anonymous guest to open up about their real life dating experiences. We'll discuss what they went through or are going through, how they navigated it, what they've learned, and what advice they have to anyone else going through something similar. Unfiltered is your reminder that no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. If you have a topic that you'd like to discuss on Unfiltered, please email your story to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com to be considered for an episode. Real people, real stories, real life. This is Seeing Other People Unfiltered. On this episode of Unfiltered, I sit down with a 26-year-old female who received a herpes diagnosis a few years ago. She shares what it was like receiving her diagnosis, communicating it to the person who transmitted it to her, and what it's been like to date with herpes. We hear how her diagnosis impacted her mental health and self-worth, and she walks us through the steps she took to get herself back to a good place. We learn about the common misconceptions about herpes, the resources that are available for those who find out they have herpes, and how we can better communicate about sexually transmitted infections in order to reduce the stigma. Seeing Other People Unfiltered is presented by Mindset Wellness CBD. If you haven't tried Mindset Wellness CBD or any CBD for that matter, you are missing out. Mindset Wellness CBD's products, all of their gummies are gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO, organic, and they taste incredible. They have helped my anxiety, they've helped me sleep at night, and I couldn't recommend them more highly. Head to MindsetWellnessCBD.com and use code SEEINGOTHERPEOPLE at checkout for 10% off and free shipping. Thank you so much for being here on this episode of Unfiltered. I'm so honored that you are willing to come and talk about you and your story and your topic. So if you don't mind just introducing yourself and what you're here to talk about, that would be great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited today just to be able to talk to you. Um, so thank you for having me on. What I'll be talking about today is what it's like having herpes. Um, so, you know, sort of plot twist, it's not the big scary thing that people think it is. But, you know, I'll be going into kind of what it was like getting that diagnosis um, the stigma around having herpes and how it affects my life. Um, or I guess I should say how it doesn't really affect my life anymore. Um, we can get into that a little bit later, but yeah, super excited to talk with you today. I think it's a really important topic that people don't really talk openly about enough. Absolutely. And that's, that's really one of the big reasons why we are talking about it because, whether it's you or someone you know, or it, you might not know it's you or it's not you yet. Like there are so many people. It's such a thing that so many of us end up encountering in our lifetime and, and having or encountering somebody who has and who has herpes. And it's something that we don't know how to talk about. And it's something that 
really does need to be normalized, especially when you're in like the type of dating culture that we are in and the hookup culture that we have kind of gone through over the last number of years. So why don't we start at the beginning? Um, If you don't mind walking me through kind of where you were at in your dating life when you first found out that you had herpes or first, I guess, got herpes um, and what that experience was like. Sure. So I was sort of, I guess, in that phase that I feel like a lot of people are in now or have at least been in during their life at some point where I was, you know, trying all the dating apps and I had just graduated from college. I was, you know, I had spent a few years in New York at that point and I was really just very open to meeting people, um, whether it was through friends, whether it was through dating apps. Um, I wasn't really picky. I just was eager to kind of get to know more people and and practice, you know, sort of meeting people and getting out there because I know that in itself is a huge obstacle for some people. It's like, if I do go on a date, what am I going to say? If I meet the right person, you know, how am I going to act? So just getting out there was really important for me. And I actually, um, I had met somebody through one of my friends at work. And she said to me, you know, I have a friend from home. He's this awesome guy. He's really friendly. I think you would get along with him. So she sent me up with him. We ended up going on a few dates. Um, We really clicked. We had a great connection. So that was exciting. Um, And I also was really, you know, after you go on a lot of these app dates, it's kind of a relief to meet somebody through a friend or to meet somebody where you have, you already had that instant common ground. So I think I was in, you know, I was really feeling excited at the prospect of dating this person and going out with this person. So I think it was, you know, maybe like our third date. um, And we had ended up back at his apartment, we were hooking up. um, And at this point, we didn't even really have, we didn't even fully have sex, we just had oral sex. And then, you know, it was fun. It was great. And the next day I went home and it was so strange before I even got home. I just, I had this like weird feeling, um, that something was different. And I know that's going to sound sort of strange, but it was almost like I, I had this sense of like, something is different within me at this point. Um, so I had said to a friend, like, should I get tested for like an STD? I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm feeling really, you know, paranoid. And my friend at the time was like, you didn't even have sex. Like you don't need to be tested for an STD. Okay. Relax. So, you know, my friend was like, calm down, you're fine. Um, and a few days went on and I just started to have like a lot of discomfort and, you know, I thought it was a UTI. I figured, you know, maybe that's what I felt coming on was a UTI. You started feeling something at that point. Yes, I started physically feeling like it was like a tingling sensation. And it was like, not crazy painful, but it was it was something. Um, So I went to my doctor, they were like, there's nothing, you know, visually wrong with you, you probably have a UTI. They gave me um, medication for the UTI. And it didn't help. And within a few days, I was just in so much pain that it felt like somebody was like stabbing me from the inside. Um, it hurt to go to the bathroom. It like, I felt really feverish. I had cramps. Like I, it was so, so intense that I couldn't even sit at my desk at work without sort of feeling like I wanted to cry or scream. Um, and at that point I said to myself, you know, I've been 
on these UTI pills for a few days now and I'm not feeling better. I'm feeling worse. So I took myself to an urgent care center. And at this point, you know, I'm Googling things like we all do. I'm freaking out to, to some of my friends. And I'm like, I think I have an STD. I think I have something. And they're all like, no, you're crazy. If there's nothing there, like, you're going to be fine. I ended up going to the urgent care center. And sure enough, by that point, you know, I'd gone into the bathroom, like right before I saw them. And sure enough, there was a bump. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is it. Um, just, I tried to mentally prepare myself for the appointment. Um, I went in and they took a look and they said, you have genital herpes. And at that point, I would say, you have this moment where you feel like you've been punched in the gut. And, you know, I don't mean to compare it to, you know, any sort of worse diagnosis or anything that's, you know, fatal or, you know, really traumatic, but you do have this moment. And I think, I think this in itself speaks to the stigma. You have this moment where you feel like your entire life is over. You're going to be alive. You're going to survive. You're going to be okay. But your entire life, as you know it, socially, relationship-wise, like your life is over. And I instantly broke down. I was in tears. I was bawling. You know, the first person I called was actually my brother. We have a really close relationship. Um, and I just said, my life is over. And I guess I should also back up. And, and for those of you who don't know, I guess how herpes can spread, um, turns out you can get genital herpes from having oral sex. So there are two types of herpes. There's herpes type one and herpes type two. They're just two different types within your body. One is not, you know, better or worse. They're just different in terms of where they usually show up. Typically, um, herpes type 1 tends to show up orally and herpes type 2 tends to show up genitally. But in, you know, sort of these more modern times where we are, as a culture, having more oral sex, a lot of herpes type 1 that ends up, you know, being on people's mouths is ending up genitally. So I, you know... After that, I got tested, and you know, at that point, I wasn't sure if I had type one or type two, but they confirmed I had type one, um, and it was, you know, from having oral sex. So, in my mind, it was a death sentence. It was, you're never gonna, you're never gonna date again, let alone get married, let alone be intimate with a person again. So there were just a lot of. Um, a lot of emotions flowing that day. Um, and by no means, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not in medicine. So there's, you know, there's a lot to learn about herpes itself. And I definitely recommend, you know, anyone who has it to like speak to a medical professional and all of that. But at least from my perspective, I felt like even though my physical health was safe, I felt like my emotional and mental health was the worst that it would ever be. Um, so that's kind of the origin story. I know, I know it's a lot and there's definitely a lot to unpack there, but that was how it all began. I'm sure you're curious, like, how did I tell the, you know, did I tell the person? How did I tell the person? All of that. I don't even need to be here. You know exactly what I'm going to say next, but <laughs> yeah. a few, a few steps back before that. So when you found out and and you were sitting there and you were thinking all these things like was there any part of you 
that almost like didn't like did you not believe it where it was almost like because backing up like I know you we we know Mm -hmm. each other off of this podcast and you have always been somebody who like your health is your priority your like everything and like sanitary like if I need if I need Purell I know who to ask for it Um, (laughs) yeah and that was pre that was pre-pandemic like you know before everybody carried sanitizer I was doing it first Um, yeah but and same thing with like with condoms and and being careful and being safe it's like did it feel like almost like a joke where you did everything you could and it still happened yeah, absolutely. And I think that was that was my initial feeling. You know, I always joke like, I mean, it's not even a joke. This is really true. I don't even lick the cookie dough, the raw cookie dough off the spoon because I'm too afraid of like getting salmonella. You know, I'm always the girl who puts her seatbelt on in cabs. It, it was sort of unreal to me that somebody who was as careful as I have been my whole life, who always follows rules, who always, you know, I'm like, I'm such a rule follower. I hate breaking rules. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, and traditionally, you know, I did wear condoms when I had sex um, because being, you know, being safe was really important to me. And so in that moment, I, I thought how unfair and I thought to myself, this isn't supposed to happen to, to quote unquote, somebody like me, because at that point, my understanding was that people who got STDs were people who, you know, I had this, this societal um, understanding that people who got STDs were, you know, maybe like promiscuous or slept around or weren't careful, because that's kind of what society has told me. Um, You know, and if you listen to like famous comedians, or you watch like movies and TV shows throughout pop culture, herpes is the butt of every joke. And I never cared. I never paid attention because it wasn't relevant to me. And so I like allowed it to be the butt of every joke. It didn't bother me. Um, But in that moment, yeah, I thought this is not supposed to happen to somebody like me. Yeah. I can't imagine what it was like sitting there and, and hearing that. And I, I, I do remember how I guess broken you felt and, and all of those fears that you mentioned before. Um, which we'll definitely get into. So going back to what you were about to bring up, which <laughs> is having that conversation with him. Um, how long did you wait to do it? Were you positive that it was him? I mean, I assume that you were because it was like you walked out of his apartment and you were like, I feel different, which is crazy to begin with. Um, but I... Yeah, I would love to hear about what was going through your mind in terms of having that conversation and when and how and and I guess questioning like did he know and was he careless or I feel like there are a lot of assumptions that can be made um and I think the situation everyone everyone's situation is of course unique but I do think in in a way you knew exactly who it came from which right. I can imagine also <laughs> like made you kind of harbor a lot of like anger and resentment, I, w- I would assume, but uh, you tell me. Yeah. So when I, when I first found out again, like you said, that was my immediate sort of assumption and understanding was that's who it came from. Um, at that point, you know, because he was a friend of a friend, I had reached out. To, I had been talking to that friend the whole time. I was like, do you think this could have been him? Do you think he knew? And she was like, listen, there is no way he knew. Um, if, 
if he gave it to you, if it does turn out that this is from him, I guarantee you he had no idea. So I sort of went with that assumption. And when I did get the diagnosis, he was on vacation with his family. And so as hard as it was, and as much as I wanted to call him up screaming, um, I had to kind of rise above it a little bit and say, you know what, I'm not going to ruin his vacation. I, gosh, it was so difficult. I texted him as if everything was normal. Meanwhile, I'm like, my life is over Um, for about three days. And then I, you know, we set up time to go on another date to meet up. I suggested that we do sort of a more relaxing night. I said, let's get takeout and, you know, watch a movie because I figured the last thing I want is for this to happen in a public setting. Um, trying it's, to be it's good that you were thoughtful about it because I think some people might even just try and like send it in a text or or over, over the phone or something. I know I got a text once from somebody saying, I'm not sure when this happened and I hate to have to text you this, but I just tested positive for chlamydia. And I don't mm-hmm. think it was from you. I don't, but I don't know if it was or if I gave it to you or what. And I was, when I got that text, I was sitting in my grandma's house at the table with her and my mom. <laughs> oh and it was, boy. It was also, that's my last memory of being at her house because that's the last time I was at her house oh, when she was alive. That's awful. And that's my last memory is getting this text. So I, I have a lot of respect for you and, and the way you chose to do it where you were also con- even even regardless of how much anger you felt and how like I'm sure your like blood was boiling and like you were anxious about this conversation you were also cognizant of the fact that you were delivering the news to him as well exactly and i think because it is such a sensitive issue I think you really have to take a step back. You cannot come in hot. I mean, everybody will, of course, decide to do what they want to do. But my my sort of best advice, if you are in this situation, is to take it slow and be thoughtful about it because you don't, you know, at the same time, I didn't know, maybe I had been carrying it around and I just didn't show symptoms until after I was with him. So yeah you don't want to come at somebody with like anger and, and, and hatred, especially when you don't even, you don't even know yourself, the origin. So I think that was the approach that I took. I was also so emotionally shaken that I didn't even have it in me to like scream or surprise him or anything. Um, so yeah, I, I told him at his apartment, I, within 30 seconds of like entering, I truly could not keep it in within 30 seconds of walking sure. the door, you know, I said, look, I don't mean to blame you and I don't want to scare you or anything, but I, you know, had this experience and I ended up having these symptoms over the past few days. I went and got tested and I tested positive for herpes type one. And I was like, I didn't, I, to my knowledge, I don't think I had this before. And um, just for, for context for people who don't know, your first outbreak of herpes tends to be the worst. Um, so when you do have it for the first time, you usually know that is not true for everybody. That is not a 100% always happens thing, but for the most part, statistically, it's like when you first get it, um, that's your worst outbreak, your primary outbreak. So at that point I figured, you know, I probably got it from, from you, you know, he, I mean, he was like, he was so broken at that point hearing that. Um, and it, you know, as I expected, he didn't know. Um, and he, what, he also had this moment of disbelief of like, A, I can't believe that this happened. 
And B, I can't believe that I potentially gave it to you. Like we both were in this and you have to remember we met three times. So this person and I, we barely know each other and we were thrown into this incredibly personal, incredibly emotional moment where we had to kind of, you know, you can't just go to your friend and your friend is going to say, oh, I've also been through this. I didn't know anybody that had been through this because we don't talk about it. So it was a really tough moment. He ended up, you know, getting tested. He tested positive. Um, so at that point we, we knew it was, it was from him. And what's tough is he had never, to his knowledge, he had never noticed any kind of outbreak on his lip or like had a cold sore. Um, for those that also don't know, um, herpes is having a cold sore. So you, you know, I know some people, you know, talk about herpes. They're like, well, I don't have herpes. I have a cold sore. I'm like, uh, they're the same thing. So I think that's also kind of breaking down the way that we talk about it in society, Herpes is a cold sore. So at the end of the day, you are not going to die. It is not fatal. It is not even that big of a deal. But society makes us think it is. Um, so, yeah, we had, to, we had to figure that out. We ended up, you know, we didn't end up pursuing a relationship. I think at that point, what was between us was so emotionally charged that it was sort of impossible to move forward in any real way. Um, you know, we, we have so much mutual respect for each other. We just kind of wanted the best for each other. We don't really, you know, we don't talk anymore. Um, but I think at the same time, we'll always kind of know that that's some, that's like something between us that will never break. will never bend. Like we have that sort of connection, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. It is also crazy how the, that experience of you telling him and and you two kind of just being in it together um i think is mm-hmm. really unique in a really almost like beautiful way where like like you said you didn't know who to go talk to because people don't talk about it and so you didn't know if you had a friend that you could talk to and he also like didn't know so like you were telling him this news that you also just found out and of course you felt terrible that you had to tell him that you were also upset. He had to hear this. He had to hear it from Mm -hmm. you. He had to get upset while you were there, but then also realize that because he had it, not knowingly, he gave it to you. Like there's just so much that happened there. And and (laughs) I feel like, I mean, obviously I don't hear about these situations often because again, people don't talk about them, but I feel like that's, I could imagine that that is a, unique rare experience and a rare almost like beautiful experience with like Mm -hmm. it was like the best case scenario of the worst case scenario it was and I'll be honest um you know I can I can talk about this as well but I ended up joining a sort of herpes uh group therapy and what I will say is throughout you know my experience there and and amongst the women that I spoke to I was one of the only people that had a, what you might call positive disclosure experience. Um, A lot of the time when these conversations happen, there's a lot of anger, there's blame, there's shame. There's a lot of shame. Sometimes, you know, for most people, when you tell somebody that, that they might've given this to you, it's met with a lot of anger and denial and no, I didn't. Sometimes it's met with ghosting. Sometimes it's met with what's wrong with you? Um, so I think you're right. It really was 
the best case scenario. And it was kind of beautiful that, you know, we had nobody else to, to go to for this experience. Um, so it was, it was really challenging. Um, like I said, I ended up, you know, you talk to your friends, they want to relate to you, but at the end of the day, um, nobody really understood the way that, that he did. And I realized, you know, if I'm going to move on, I need to talk to other people. I, I've read through all the articles on the internet, all the message boards. I was reading books on this because I just wanted to understand it. I wanted to understand what it was, how it was going to affect my life, um, how it happened. I almost became obsessed with it. Like it started to kind of infiltrate my thoughts at, at all times of the day, just thinking about like, how am I going to move forward? What's my future going to be like? What are, what are success stories with having this? Um, what are, what are people's different ways of coping? So I ended up finding a, uh, group therapy. How did you find that? Um, just for anyone who's listening, who might need that resource. Sure. So I ended up Googling it. Um, I looked up, I think it was like herpes support group and this ended up popping up. Um, I, there's, you know, I don't know if it's unique to, to New York or where I lived, but from what I understand, there are a lot of support groups kind of around the country. I think I got lucky in that mine was a very formal experience. I think, you know, it's similar to like AA for a lot of people, you go and you talk openly, but where I was going, it was actually led by someone, um, And she, you know, is a licensed therapist and she was able to kind of guide us through the emotions and the conversations, but it ended up being something that I went to every week, the same way that you would any other kind of therapy. I met up with, you know, about 10 other women and we all talked about our experiences. We cried, we laughed. Um, I think I went for about four months Um, and it was... It sounds really dramatic to say, but I think getting this diagnosis was the hardest thing that I had ever had to go through in my life um, because it leaves you with a sense of shame. Like you are never going to be loved. You're never going to be like hugged or kissed or touched. Like there's such a sense of hopelessness because you feel like you are an outcast. You are, you know, unworthy of love. You are dirty or disgusting. I mean, even the language we use to talk about, you know, STDs will say, you know, people toss around, they're like, oh, I'm clean. I'm clean. And that's so problematic because what does that make me dirty? Like, you know, so it's, I found myself really re-examining a lot of the, the ways that we talk about these issues. Um, and it, it really just put me in a place of, I couldn't focus at work. I couldn't go out with friends. I couldn't talk to my family normally. Everything that I did was, it had this like, you know, little twinge of darkness to it. I would watch TV shows where people were getting married or they were in love or they were in relationships. And I would cry. I would just, I would just bawl because I, I thought that could have been me but not anymore. It's not going to be me anymore. That's not my future. And there's a part of me that feels like I don't even deserve that anymore. If I, if I got myself into this situation, maybe I don't even deserve it. I, 
I did something bad or I did so I engaged in like, you know, bad behavior. There's a part of you that feels like you did something to deserve it. So that I think was the biggest thing um, that I had to kind of work through in, in the therapy groups. Wow. I, I truly can't imagine what that was like going through that and feeling those things. And I, I do remember how it impacted every single aspect of your life and every attempt you had at enjoying yourself or trying to do anything. It was just like this cloud over your head, even though it was something that nobody else knew. Like, but I feel like it's one of those things where like you walk down the street and it's like, you know something about you and you assume that like everyone's looking at you and like judging you and mm-hmm. thinking this thing of you, even though that's the farthest thing on the planet from the case. But Right. That's... I would walk around and I would I would find myself in grocery stores or wherever I was and I would think to myself, okay, there's five people around me. Statistically, I'm probably the only one that has herpes. Or I would look in a group of 10 people and I would say to myself, okay, maybe maybe that maybe that person over there has it too. And it's like everything I did was colored by this diagnosis. So I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to see friends. People would say, how are you? And I couldn't even fathom answering that question with anything other than I'm awful. I am awful because I have this dark secret about who I am and what I've done. And I'm going to be alone forever. And that's the fate that that had been given to me. And it sounds so dramatic, you know, saying it now, but in the moment you feel so alone and so isolated because we don't talk about these things. And when we do, it's either in, in a joke or it's, you know, when we're talking about things that we hope never happen to us. So they're yeah. not great scenarios. I want to get into what it was like to get back into dating. But before we do that, one question I have for anyone who finds out that like if a friend of theirs gets diagnosed with herpes and, and confides in them, like, were there certain things that your friends said that did help or that didn't help? Or were there things that you wish like people had said to you when they found out? Like, how could, how did that help or hurt your healing process? And what more could have helped? That's a great question. I think, you know, starting with what did help was my friends treating me the exact same that they did before I had this diagnosis and also reminding me of the great qualities that I had, because to me, those great qualities had been overshadowed by this big, dark thing. And so the, you know, you don't have to shower your friend in like fake love all the time, but I think being sensitive and and realizing when they're down and reminding them of the qualities that they do possess and the ways that they do shine. And that to me was the biggest help. Um, And also just letting, you know, having people let me talk. Like I didn't, I didn't need anyone to say, Oh, I get it when they didn't, you know, if, if you don't have it, you don't get it. That's just the way it is. So I think the hardest part was having people try to compare and we all do this. We all try to compare our own situations in order to make people feel better. But I think the hardest thing was having people say, Oh, you know, I once thought that I was diagnosed with something too, but then their story ends and they're like, Oh, turns out I didn't have anything. Right. And that was, that's not gonna, yeah, that's like, come on. 
you'd be, maybe you wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, you'd be surprised at how many people did that and thought that that was helpful. So I'd say that's a no-go. Um, but the other thing I think is just in a light way, pushing them to find other people that have experienced the same thing. So, you know, whether it's encouraging them to read books or to read, you know, online articles were so helpful for me. Um, and then also, you know, encouraging them to, to look for support groups and look for group therapy. Um, and if that's not available, looking for one-on-one -on -one therapy. Um, the hard part is that not everybody is going to be, you know, sex positive and they're not going to, you know, not every therapist is, is sort of licensed to talk about these issues in that way. But I think, you know. Oh, that's so interesting. Searching, Yeah. I mean, well, to be honest, I've had. I've had some therapists in the past who um, made me feel really awkward talking about sex. And I'm like, I don't think I like this. So, yeah. you know, and I also, I also recognize that therapy is not always an affordable option for everybody. So I think tossing therapy at it is not always the right answer either. But, you know, a lot of the support groups are free. Um, just sort of exposing yourself, I think, to other people that do have it is is one of the best things you can do. And sometimes you need a friend to remind you to do that. Yeah, that was a great, those were all great answers. And, and I hope that people can kind of take something away from that and, and keep that in mind in the back of their toolkit in case this happens or not in case like, ultimately it will. I, th I think at the age we're at like 26, 27, like once you get to your mid late 20s, if you don't know somebody who has herpes, it's just that you don't know that they do. It's not that you and don't know correct. somebody. It's that you don't know who it is or which right. of the people it is. Because it's such like I was talking to a friend of mine who is in medical school and she was like, oh, like you have no idea the number of people who have come to me about them or their friends getting it. and have like asked me questions and it's just like it's 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 everyone like it's literally almost mm -hmm. everyone and it's well, just I, this thing I that people it's... don't want to admit to because because of the shame and because of the stigma and and like I mean I've never even thought about what you said before with like the clean thing and like yeah like we do say like oh are you clean I'm clean and it's like well like the opposite of clean is dirty and and that's 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 Correct. problematic <laughs> yeah and and I think you know in my therapy group, we would always say like, it's inevitable. It is inevitable that you are going to get herpes or, you know, I guess to just sort of get into like what it means to have herpes. Like I said, herpes is a cold sore. And so, you know, maybe that, that people make, people don't always realize that having a cold sore is all it takes. So you can have it on your lip and you can give it to somebody else through kissing, through oral sex. Like it doesn't, you can also, you know, transmit type two from having unprotected sex or even from having protected sex because guess what you can get herpes while wearing a condom that is the crazy part about herpes it is so easily spread it does not discriminate um but people think you know oh i'm just i'm gonna use a condom like using a condom is not even that's not even like 100 percent as mm -hmm. as we sort of know the funny thing about herpes is that when you go to get tested when you go to get tested for STDs and you say, give me everything. I want all the things. You know what they don't give you? A test for herpes. And you might be saying, no, no, no. I know. I, you know, I asked for everything. Well, 
turns out that, you know, doctors scientifically do not recommend getting tested for herpes when you get regularly tested for STDs. And the reason being is that they found it is actually you have a greater chance of being psychologically damaged by herpes than any physical damage that could come from herpes. The psych- so let me just, let me say that again. The psychological damage that you may get from getting herpes and getting a herpes diagnosis, doctors believe is worse than the diagnosis itself. So the scary part about herpes is not always the physical. A lot of it is the mental. And I say always because there are cases where when you do have herpes, it can affect you every single day. Um, There's kind of a wide range. So there are some people who get diagnosed and they never think about it again. There are other people who, you know, might have an outbreak once a month where they get cold sores once a month. Um, So it really like it really can run the spectrum. Um, But doctors don't recommend testing for it because we as a society have made it so damaging that we don't even want to tell people. So the crazy part is most people walk around with some type of herpes in their system and they have no idea, which is exactly what happened with this person that I ended up seeing. We don't test for it. We don't talk about it. We pretend it doesn't exist. So everybody kind of thinks like, oh, no, 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 that's not me. It is more or less inevitable. If you're going to be dating, going out, you know, being sexually active, it is inevitable that you will likely get some form of herpes. And we have to talk about that. We have to be more open about that. Yeah, it is so crazy how like, like you said, I mean, most people probably are finding out for the first time that they've never actually been tested for it. Because yeah, you think you're covered if you're you get tested for everything. Uh, uh, quote, unquote, everything, you are informed that you have quote, unquote, nothing. Um, that doesn't include herpes. And yeah, when I, when I was talking to, I, I mean, I've learned a lot about it from you and also from that same friend in medical school when, when I talked to her about it and she said that like so many people have come to her um, to like share that they have it and, and ask her questions about it. Um, she did mention that they don't test for it, which I, I had known before. And I was like, but why is that? And that's what she said. She's like, because a lot of people might never either have an outbreak or they might not have an outbreak that is going to like affect them with pain or that is going to be like a genital outbreak that they would be like more concerned about as opposed to a cold sore. So it it would just like, it would turn the world into a clusterfuck if they did test for it for everyone. Um, right. And that's just- it's funny you say clusterfuck because- herpes cold sores come in a cluster but anyway (laughs) oops um yeah unintentional herpes pun it's all on brand it's all on brand okay so let's talk about the dating stuff so obviously you were in a really dark place for a really long time um but at some point you did start getting back out there and and dating and I remember that being really scary for you for a lot of different reasons, there are a lot, there were a lot of question marks and what ifs and whens and hows and um, why don't you walk me through what that was like? I think for me, getting back into dating was a decision once I came to terms with it myself. And what I mean by that is that I don't think you can go out into the world and ask somebody else to accept you with herpes 
when you have not accepted it yourself because they will notice. And I, the first sort of date I went on um, after getting the diagnosis, I really thought I was over it. I really thought that I, you know, not that I didn't care, but that I felt emotionally strong enough to potentially disclose um, a disclosure being, you know, you telling somebody that you have it um, in the herpes sort of community. Everybody has their these stories of disclosure. Um, so I went on a date with somebody. I had met them, and you know, we had gone back to his apartment. And I wasn't. I didn't even want to have sex with him. But part of me was like, I'm gonna burst at the seams if I don't just tell somebody. I almost wanted to get my first disclosure over with because it felt so scary. I was like, I got to tell somebody so that I can just get this first one out of the way. So I started to, to say, you know, I just want to let you know that. And I started crying and I was like, oh, I'm not ready. Like, why did I start doing this? And of course, his natural reaction was one of shock and confusion. And he was like, oh, um, reaction to you crying or are you telling him to me telling him that I I mean I was crying while I told him but his reaction was like it was basically no thank you that was his reaction and at the time I it was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy I went into that date thinking nobody's ever going to want to date me or have sex with me because I have herpes and so I went in with that mindset and then I made it true because I wasn't emotionally prepared for it. So after that date, I said to myself, see, you knew it. You knew this was going to happen. You were going to disclose that you had herpes. He was going to reject you. And that fulfilled the idea that I had in my head that I would never be with anyone again. So at that moment, I was like, you know what? We're going to take another break. I took another break for a little while. And I really started to work on myself. And for me, that meant... um, trying new things. It meant trying new hobbies, trying to find the passion in my life and remember the things that I was good at because I had lost sight of that. And this diagnosis made me realize I need to build up my self-esteem again. I need to build up my confidence. I need to remember who I am before I can accept myself with this new thing. I need to remember who I am at my core with, without herpes in the picture. So, you know, again, I spent some months alone. I spent some time working on myself and I tried again, went back out there, went on a few app dates. Um, I definitely went on a few dates before I decided to disclose again. And then, you know, once I did find somebody that I wanted to like be intimate with, I was much more calm when I explained it. And I also practiced, I, I should mention, I spent like three days practicing how I would disclose. I talked about it in my, my group and I said, Hey, so I just want to be open with you. And I just want to let you know something, um, something that I want to share with you, you know, along those lines, I kept it really casual. I was like, I just want to share something with you. And I said, so, you know, a few months ago I had been seeing someone, it was a friend of a friend and, um, you know, we, we ended up hooking up and, and he went down on me and unfortunately he didn't know that he had cold sores. And so then, you know, I ended up getting them as well. Um, and it, you know, cold sores meaning herpes. So that is something that, you know, I now have in my body. There's always a chance that 
I can pass it on. But generally, you know, condoms tend to be pretty effective. I also at that time had started medication. So I was like, I'm on medication, um, sort of take it or leave it. That was kind of my attitude. And I think because I approached it with such a casual attitude, he was fine with it. He was, he did not care. He, he, he was like, well, if you, if to him, it's like, if it's not a big deal to you, it's not a big deal to me. And that was the moment that I realized people react to the sort of the vibe that you're giving off. So if you make something a big deal, you make it this teary, emotional, scary, dark thing that changed your life. Of course, the person you're talking to is going to think it's a dark, scary thing that's going to change their life. But, you know, if if you go into it kind of like, look, this is just something that I have. It's not a big deal. You know, you're being honest with them. You're not lying. You're not say, you're not being untruthful. You're just saying, take it or leave it. Um, and I think after I had that sort of successful disclosure, I felt a lot more comfortable about um, about myself and about my future. And slowly, little by little, I regained that that confidence. Wow. Yeah, I think that is really so true where it's like, I think there's a few things that you said where first of all, you needed to accept it yourself. And in part of your like process of accepting it, you needed to remind yourself what it was and how it happened. Because when earlier you were saying like, when you first found out and, and kind of like the months after that, you felt like you did something wrong. You felt like there was something wrong. With you. you felt like you did a bad thing and this was your punishment. And when you were able to kind of sit with it for a while and process it and learn more about it, you learned what it actually is and what it means for you and that it means for you what you let it mean for you and that it didn't have to be this end all be all thing. And Right. That, that if you accepted yourself and communicated honestly and thoughtfully about it to somebody and openly kind of and, and giving them the opportunity to communicate back to you, it was something that wasn't actually going to, like you thought, prevent you from being liked, being loved, being touched, being somebody who deserved all of those things too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a really key part of this as well is remembering that my story is not the only story and that there are going to be men, women, you know, whoever you are, non-binary, there are going to be people who may have unprotected sex and may get an STD or herpes, whatever it might be. And guess what? You still don't need to be ashamed. You know, I didn't get it from unprotected sex. I got it from oral sex. It doesn't matter how you get it. You still don't need to be ashamed you know, it happened, maybe you have regrets about it, but you still don't need to A, let it define you or B, put you into a spiral of shame. You know, I don't think there's one sort of more ethical or moral way of contracting it than another. I think at the end of the day, nobody deserves to feel shame over this, over a cold sore. And that was, that took me a really long time to, to come to terms with was why am I ashamed of who I am because I have a cold sore? Yeah. And I mean, like, regardless of where it is, it, it's, that is what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. It's, it's literally the same thing. People, there's like a lot of miseducation out there. People think like, Oh, what's on your mouth is different than what's genital. And I'm like, mm, no, they're exactly the same thing. So, if, so if I have, like, I do get cold sores from time to time. If I have a cold sore and I, 
make out with somebody or I give a guy a head or whatever else. I don't, I don't really know what other options there are to <laughs> give someone from my mouth or whatever. Um, you know what I'm saying? Is, is that me spreading herpes to them? It could be. It also might not be. So the, you know, and again, like not a doctor, but the way that it works is that, you know, when you do have a cold sore present, you tend to be shedding the virus more than if it weren't present. Mm -hmm. But even when it's not present, you are still shedding the virus. So you don't have, people also think like, oh, I don't have one right now. So I'm not spreading anything. And unfortunately, especially as you could see in my case, that's not true. He didn't have one at the time. It doesn't matter. You can still, the virus is always shedding. It's just how much. So I think, you know, and, and there's also this really interesting piece to this of ethically, do I need to disclose to somebody before I even kiss them? You know, forget mm-hmm. about having sex. Like, do I owe this person an explanation? And do I, should I tell them that I get cold sores on my mouth before we even kiss? And I think there's no right answer. And, right. you know, if you, if you want my opinion, the answer is no, it's not unethical. You don't need to tell them when you're kissing them. Um, but I, I, but personally, I feel more comfortable, you know, disclosing if we're going to have sex. Like, yeah. And it's sad because some people, some people don't disclose or they, they're too scared to. And I, I totally understand. But at the end of the day, it just perpetuates, you know, I think if, in, if you're not willing dark. to disclose, then you should not be having sex until Correct. you are that willing. Would be, that would be a good rule, That'd I be would a, say. A better world. Um, do some people not have outbreaks ever or not get, yeah. Sure. So I actually am a pretty good example. I have not had an outbreak since my first initial one. So I kind of go through my days and I, I consider myself very lucky in that sense that this does not affect my life. Um, if you were to ask me about herpes, I may forget that I have it. Um, I do take medicine every day just because I am in a long-term relationship and I, I want to make sure that I'm sort of protecting my partner. Um, and we still use condoms and everything, but it doesn't affect my life. And for that, I'm, I'm really grateful Um, so again, it kind of, it kind of makes me think like, you know, I thought this thing was going to ruin my life. And in reality, it doesn't affect me at all. It doesn't change my day. I don't think about it. I don't, you know, I don't talk about it. Um, that's not the case for everybody. Everybody has different reactions. All of our bodies are obviously different, but it really runs, you know, through a very broad range of, of experiences. Yeah. So with your medication, sorry, I have so many questions. Um, I also just That's think okay, there's, there's, this is such an opportunity to educate people because again, like I have questions and I know a lot, uh, like more than the average person because I've learned through you and, and your research sure. and, and education and experience. But so in you taking medication that prevents your boyfriend from that prevents transmission or what does the medication actually do? Sure. So the medication, it decreases like sort of the the viral cells that I have in my body. So again, it's not 100%. It's not foolproof. Mm-hmm. There is still a chance that, you know, because my body is constantly shedding the virus, but it decreases that amount. So, you know, 
your worst case scenario is you have unprotected sex and you're not taking medication. That I think is your, you're most likely, you're more likely going to spread the virus. You know, it's a lot better if you use a condom. That's sort of one step up. And then the way you can be the absolute most protected is the medication and using condoms. And so that's what I've done. Um, I've been in a long-term relationship for several years now, and my boyfriend has not ever had any outbreaks. Um, so, and it really depends on the person. I mean, you don't, some people don't like taking medication and that's fine, but I think whatever you do decide to do, you have to be open with your partner because ultimately it's their decision, you know? And I think about it all the time. I wasn't given the choice and as scary as it is, I want other people to decide, you know, I told my boyfriend when we first met, I wanted him to decide. I didn't want to make a decision for somebody about their life. I needed them to have the ability to choose. Yeah. And, and I obviously like admire and respect that. And I think that's something that people need to hope should hopefully keep in mind. Um, and beyond just when it comes to herpes or any other STI, but in the case of anything, um, yeah. And, and with that, I think one of my last questions before we close up is, so let's say you communicated, you disclosed to somebody and what like, is there a proper way for somebody to like kindly say, this is not for me or like nothing against you, but I'm just like not interested in like, how can somebody almost like it's almost like an anti-ghost text, but like an anti, sure. anti, like be a dick about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a great question. Um, there's no perfect answer, but I think in terms of what I would like to hear, I think is somebody who, you know, remained calm. I think, you know, it would be great if, if the receiver or the listener could not panic. I think the best way is to just say, you know, first of all, thank you for letting me know. Thank you for trusting me enough with, you know, making this decision, um, whether you know them or not, that person has done something like pretty, pretty, you know, I don't want to say generous, but that person has done something that puts them in an extremely vulnerable position. So mm -hmm. I think you can thank them for letting you know, I think you can thank them for being vulnerable. And I think you can say, you know, a couple of things, maybe you want to take some time to think about it. You can say, I appreciate you letting me know. I want to think about this. I want to do my own research. Um, and let's just sort of keep talking and, you know, we'll figure it out. So that's one option is you, if you feel like you want to know more, go learn more, go read more. And I encourage anybody who has, you know, somebody disclosed to them, I encourage you to read and learn more because you might find that you actually don't mind. Um, but if you're educated about it and you know that it's not for you, I think what you can say again is thank them. And you can say, you know, I think right now, I, I don't know that this is something I want to move forward with. Um, I loved meeting you. I loved talking with you. But right now, you know, it's just not something that I want to pursue or I want to continue. And that's going to hurt. I mean, nobody likes getting rejected. Of course. But it's the same as if, you know, they said, you know, I almost think it's better than if somebody was like, I don't like you. You're kind of a terrible person. Right. Like, you know, there's, there's always going to be reasons for rejection. And I think just like any other reason for rejection, 
you have to just be as kind as you can. Just, you know, they're not going to be like, okay, thank you so much. They're not going to be happy. <laughs> but I think if you have the right intent, they will take it like any other rejection or any other polite decision to not continue the relationship. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I hope that people can kind of go about it in a kind hearted way. And, and remember, just keep in mind how the other person's feeling and how scared they probably were to tell you. And, and like, again, because we don't talk about it, like you might now know something that the majority of the people in their life don't know about them. And yeah, and there's a huge fear to that. I mean, yeah. and to be honest, coming on this podcast, there was a part of me that really wanted to tell the world who I am. And there's a part of me that wanted to break that stigma and break that barrier. But at the end of the day, you know, I still don't know that I'm there yet. And I still don't know that the world is there yet. I think we all have a lot of work to do in terms of education and understanding and compassion um, before we before we get, you know, get to that place. But I do hope that the more we talk about it, the more it gets better. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on and volunteering your time and your experience and your education. Like, even though I know you're not a medical professional, like I do feel like there's so much that I just learned and and so much that the listeners got out of this. And hopefully everyone listening, you took something away from this and if there's somebody in your life that you can send this to, maybe somebody who either knows somebody who has herpes so that they can learn how they can support them through it or somebody who maybe just found out that they have herpes. Um, I think it's there's just like any little bit that you can do to help have these conversations and start these conversations and, and reduce the stigma is, is so important and appreciated and, and really will go a lot longer of a way than you think. All right. Thank you for having me too. Thank you again. And this has been Seeing Other People Unfiltered. <laughs>